Hello and welcome to the White Shorts podcast. I'm Bella Cartman and I'll be your host for the series. Now, this podcast came about from conversations I've had with players, coaches and fans of women's football and women's sport. There is so much being discussed on a daily basis about challenges faced by female players, the improvements we would like to see in the game and how there are these amazing women quietly working away to improve our clubs and associations for the women of tomorrow. With the recent explosion in women's sports, I sought out a platform where I could learn more about these incredible women and what they're doing for women's football New Zealand. What I found should have come as no surprise, but this platform did not exist. So, the White Shorts podcast was born. This podcast aims to bring to light the work being done by these incredible women, along with highlighting some of the adversities they have faced by being involved in the game. Each week, I'll be joined by a player, coach or manager from around New Zealand for a fireside chat. We'll talk about their motivations, their journeys and crucially, what they've learned along the way. So come join us and we hope these discussions inspire ones of your own. Morning all and welcome to episode 8 of the White Shorts podcast, back from a little hiatus, um, but we've got an amazing guest lined up for this episode, so I'm very excited to be back on board with you guys. Uh, today we are joined by Women's World Cup Legacy and Inclusion Manager, Sandy, and jack of all trades with Wellington United Football Club. Uh, Sandy, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. A little bit sore post a footy game, but... Yeah, it's a bit mean recording yeah. with you after <laughs> after a football match. Yeah, but good sore, as we like to say, and uh, we managed to scrape through with the win, so yes. also good. Nice, love it. No, yeah. always yeah. always good with the win. Well, yeah, Wellington United has had a pretty good pretty good weekend, I'd say, in terms, yeah. of, the, in terms of their outcomes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Perfect. Oh, well, I mean, we all know how it starts now. So... First memory of football. Yeah, so first memory, very first memory was primary school, uh, just like a kind of like a football festival, and that was about it. Um, and then, really, I'd say my next memory was so we're in high school. There's no, there's no girls teams. There's yeah. no for in college or or in primary school for that matter. So netball was kind of. My number one sport slash yeah. gymnastics and everything in between growing up. Um, but there was a summer sort of five-a-side tournament that we entered every year oh, for yeah. our high school. Yeah. So a bunch of our netballers got together and would play the ones nice. that were kind of keen on footy. Um, and really enjoyed that. And so um, near the end of high school, I sort of thought, oh, maybe I, maybe I can play football I don't yeah. know um you know or yeah. give it a go and the coach of the men's first 11 said you can play with us you can play with the boys and I was yeah. like oh can I and so I went to tell my netball coach it was a little bit awkward I was kind of captain of the netball, netball team at the time and she said well what if I told you that this year we're taking a netball team to Australia oh no and so I'm like oh okay oh. so I may have stayed with netball <laughs> For my final year, but also did a bit of footy on the side. Um, yeah. So I didn't really start, start, uh, 11 aside at least, until I left high school. Oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> there's not even a category for that, like yeah. as late as you can start. Um, but always enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 I mean, very similar to um, our last guest, Nat Broadhead. 
Um, yeah. She, I think, started at uni, so from oh. memory, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. And yeah, netball seems to be a theme as well. Like we've had a couple of a couple of guests who have said they were, you know, playing in netball and then yeah. jumped over to the footy. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think just team sports in general, eh? Like, yeah, yeah. Or any sport. Well, um, yeah, we were saying yeah. before we jumped on, like, it's so, like, it's just such a good feeling to be part of a team and yeah. be in that team environment. It's yeah. just, like, so special to anyone who knows that feeling. Absolutely. Mm. And just meeting people, eh? And, yeah. Um, so when I did finally join football, it was awesome because I moved to Wellington, sort of did the old Google, and Wellington United came up. Yeah. And uh, so emailed them and said, can I come along? Not knowing it was sort of mid-season. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, rock up. So I came across and, um, yeah, I've been there ever since. Brilliant. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, on that point, what is your career kind of history, I guess, uh, in football to date? You've yeah. got a pretty – I mean, I, I personally actually don't know too much, so this is going to yeah. be great for me as well. But, yeah, from what I can – what I do know, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you've done no. you've done a lot. That's <laughs> done, for sure. Yeah, um, probably more off the field. Maybe I don't know. Uh, so always really sporty. Um, so when I came down, uh, we had one women's team at the time at United and yeah. played in that, and potentially thought I was better than I was <laughs> because there was trials for the Wellington women's team. Oh yeah, or Capital um, women's team. Wendy Henderson was the coach, and nice. I think she was lovely because I think she humoured me coming along to training. And I think I was, I don't know, 18, 19. Yeah. And bear in mind, this is sort of my first year in football. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I should be here at this trial. <laughs> but I trained, like, I was part of the wider squad sort of thing yeah. and trained with them. Um, and they did really well. Like, I didn't play. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I got sort of an insight into what the top is like, which is cool. Mm. Um, yeah, like, I think Sarah Gregorius and that were in that team. Oh, yeah, team, so Sarah, gives you an absolute idea. legend of the game, yeah. Gives you an idea of the sort of calibre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then sort of fast forward a few years, uh, I guess I played with United and we kept sort of getting promoted um, and growing as a club as well. And then I think I trialled again at some point. Yeah. <laughs> made, made the team. Nice. And then... Made the starting 16 sort of for the first week. And I was like, oh, um, that's cool. Uh, and then promptly did my ankle, like, oh. pretty badly. So oh. Johan was the coach at that point, And it wasn't until the semifinals that I could play. Oh, play. No. So I had, like, it was quite a serious injury. Yeah. Um, and got named in the squad and he gave me a full game. Oh, wow. In the oh, that's awesome. I think he was just, I don't know. I don't know, being nice. Um, and then we made the final and we got spanked by Auckland, which oh. was at that stage where all the football fans were. So, I was going to say, yeah, it's pretty um, standard of Auckland, to be honest. Yeah, it was kind of pre all of the football fans living overseas. So right. we had some really good calibre in yeah. New Zealand. Um, yeah, and then unfortunately the year after that, they sort of brought in a youth rule where you could only have five players that were mm. 20 or over. And I think I was maybe... 21 or 22 oh, no. <laughs> and so I'm like okay well I maybe just made the 16 but yeah. I'm not the top five over 20 and you know I wasn't didn't consider myself old but that was kind of it. yeah oh it feels a bit like <laughs> or, that when you're kind of 23 24 yeah playing footy you do feel a bit bit old kind of but I guess for me I was I was still new to the sport so yeah, I was, I was true. pretty yeah. gutted to be honest but um 
still kept playing, um, just not at that level. Yeah. And kind of the next thing that I sort of trialled for, if you like, would be, so I worked in the police and they have police game. Uh, oh, yeah. Sort of the Australasian police emergency games. Yeah. Or, yeah, so there's Fireys and Ambo and, and different police teams there. And generally they're held in Australia and I um, trialled for our New Zealand police team and uh, we sort of made that, which was cool. But I feel like it was kind of those that wanted to play kind of made the team in a way. But Sandy, oh, so <laughs> underselling was, yourself, uh, mate. But Come on. It was kind of like that. It's, it's gotten a lot more competitive now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we went over to Aussie and it was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Um, but in between that, like I've had a few trips that I've been lucky enough to be part of. Um, New Zealand Institute of Sport, we had a USA tour. Um, oh, wow. And through Wellington United, we also had a couple of girls that we sent to Pexwalla. We oh, yeah. have a bit of a sister club relationship with them. And we sent um, Michaela Robertson and oh, yeah. Jamie Lee Hunter over there when they were 16, 17, I think, from memory. Yeah. And so they needed a chaperone and so I promptly put up my hand. Yeah. Please, um, hello. It was so funny when we got there though because they sort of just thought all three of us were players. And I was like, oh no, I'm just, I'm just here to, to help look up. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, yeah, and just a few different things in between. Yeah, yeah oh well... <laughs> I mean, for anyone listening, like, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good playing career, but you've d- definitely, as you say, done a lot on the management side as well. Mm. Like, everything you've done, I mean, I've joined Wellington United this year, mm. and immediately you could tell you were, you know, absolute kind of legend within the club, and you just you. do so much for the club. So, yeah, do you want to just talk a bit about, <laughs> you, I mean, as you say, jack of all trades in the club, but kind of how you got into management roles or what you're doing now? Yeah, um, I think kind of early on uh, it was, we were quite lucky at the club uh, coaching our team was we had Anthony Mumby, um, we had David Domi, oh, um, yeah. who you might know as the CEO of the Phoenix now, mm. and we had Ralph Heinem and... They, and we also had James Partridge as well. So there were four guys and they all were part of one of the men's teams and some of their partners wanted to play. So they sort of helped start this team, yep. which was really cool. And they were real passionate. Like they filmed, like we filmed all the games. Oh, wow. They put together a video at the end of each year. Like they put a lot of time into it. So you instantly felt the connection to the club. Yeah. But you also felt like looked after you know mm. um and yeah I think it sort of the woman's side grew from there and we had um Melissa Girl she was a real leader in that space at that time uh so kind of with her um and Ralph started like a women's committee yeah and that was sort of our first sort of step into okay you know our first team is now at a level where we are playing competitively. Let's yeah. start treating them more like a first team. And that started those those conversations. Yeah, no, it's just um, yeah. you know, I, I chuckle when you say that because, you know, a lot of club, clubs could use some of that mentality at the moment. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, another conversation yeah. that we might yeah. get into later. Sorry, continue. You're good. Uh, so, yeah, and so we started, you know, things like getting kit that isn't a hand-me-down from the men's team yeah. or we started getting track suits and um, 
uh, sort of subsidised um, subscription fees and things like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was quite, I don't know, I'd say like at the forefront mm. at that time. Yeah. Which was really cool. And really lucky that I happened to land at United and sort of be straight involved in that where they were kind of leading the charge for women's football. Yeah. Um, not in terms of maybe on the field at that stage, but definitely off the field. There were yeah. some really good things going on. And I think what it's done is it's set, it has set a really good foundation for where mm. we are now. Like that is where it really started. Yeah. Um, and then we had uh, some really awesome people come through the club like Laura Menzies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's now NRF um, yeah. CEO. So, yeah, she's a real leader, obviously, in women's uh, football or football in general, I yep. should say. But she, when she was in Wellington, she was more involved in Netball New Zealand, Sport New Zealand. Uh, so she was, yeah, leading the charge um, mm. in sport, but yeah. within our club for women's football. Amazing, yeah. So started knocking at the door and, and yeah. started some of those conversations, which then we've sort of. Well, yeah, it's up. interesting you say, like, you and you use that phrase, like, it set that foundation mm. for what the club is now because, and, you know, you say at the time the club was at the forefront and I would argue the club is still at the mm. forefront in, in terms of, and, you know, not to, you know, we do have to acknowledge we're both at Wellington United, yeah. so we're yeah. a little bit biased. But <laughs> yeah. um, I think as well, yeah. like, the club is still doing amazing things for women's football mm. and that a lot of and yeah I mean we've seen recently in the news some examples of other clubs that aren't mm. um and so it's interesting that you point out like it's that foundation layer yeah from the very start that yeah everyone in the club almost inherently has that respect for the game yeah which I think probably and again this is me making assumptions but a lot of other clubs probably don't have that mm. foundation. Um, yeah, I get it, man. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. What do you, like, how do you think as a club you've maintained that foundation and maintained that respect? Because, yeah, mm. coming in, you can immediately feel from the club there is that respect for the women's game. And mm. I mean, there has been some pretty amazing changes in the past year yeah. to make it feel that way. But even before that, yeah. like, yeah. how do you think as a management team you've been able <laughs> to foster that respect and that? love for the women's game and the women's team yeah I think like anything I don't know or like the cheese ad you know um, <laughs> good things take time yeah um I think we've always advocated for for change and, and equity and mm. um but we've done it in a way that's respectful because we ultimately when you're dealing with people that are running your club mm. like when people envision committees it's not 20, 30 people. It's really five or six yeah. that are kind of on your committee. Yeah. And so it, it really, to have, a, to have a good, strong club, mm. it's that sort of next layer um, that's really important. And so it's kind of taking people on the journey of, of embracing women's football and you can do that in terms of <clears throat> how you promote is one of the biggest things, like the yeah. visibility, whether yeah. that's on social media platforms on your website, um, your program, <clears throat> that it's not an afterthought, that it's like a, okay, what are we doing yeah. um, sort of thing. Or just be, not just because it's a regulation, you yeah. should be doing it. Or it's not like, oh, we've done the men's, so I guess we have to yeah. do the women's as well. It's like yeah. you're putting time and effort into both equally. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's. I think in the club, um, there have been people that have questioned things along the way, and yeah. it's generally people that are kind of been involved in the game for a bit, a little bit longer. Yeah. So they're not used to seeing women's football. Mm. So it, it's sort of educating them along the way or shouting about how good um, it is to have women involved in the game because yeah. not only do you get the players, but then you get more supporters, you get more people for volunteer roles, for instance. And, absolutely. Well, that, you know? and I think that's such yeah. a key point as well. With clubs and at the community mm. level, like so many people in these clubs are volunteer and, you know, the people in the committees and the people at management level and the people who are down there on the sad days, like, they're all volunteers and, like, while we are having this conversation about developing the women's game and supporting our women's teams at club mm. level, like, I think within that conversation we also have to remember that there's only so much time, resource and energy that these volunteers can give. Yeah. And ultimately everyone has a kind of threshold that they yeah. might reach. And maybe that's not you, maybe you, some people might want more, but yeah. I think we all do have to remember within this discussion that's going to be ongoing for years, yeah. community football is still based on volunteers. Yeah. And I think part of it is sort of managing those relationships between teams and volunteers and sort of remembering that we are all part of the same family. Yeah. And I know that as a volunteer myself, if someone comes up to me, it could be the smallest thing. It could be that you're helping at the end of the day, um, I don't know, packing packing down the club rooms or whatever it might be. Yeah. And one of the players comes up, hey, Sandy, you know, do you need a hand? It could be the smallest thing yeah. that it's like they're putting their hand up rather than their hand out. And those little moments... Yeah. I don't think players understand how important they are right? Um, because it is. It is a volunteer giving so much of their own time, often um, often thankless, and they're not mm. doing it for the thanks, but they're doing it, I think, to be part of something, to be a part of a community, to be yep. part of a team, to have that purpose of whatever the goals of the team is mm. or the club is, that's, they take it on as their goals and their passion and their, yep. their purpose, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, Players just need to be respectful of that, and and for the most part they are. Yeah. Um, but it's just sort of going back to that every now and then of, okay, look, you know maybe you've had those conversations about these are other things that as a team we would we want. Yeah. And I'm I'm and I can guarantee that <laughs> committees know that list, or if you've communicated it with them, yeah, you know, that they know that list. But maybe work with them on okay, what do you need? Like start with the need and then go to the wants. Yeah. Uh, because all of it comes down to time, and so mm. let's together put the time in where it's going to have the best outcome. Yeah. And the best effect. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. But oh, for sure. And yeah, yeah I, you make a really good point, and you know, and hopefully, as 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 this discussion and as the women's game progresses, like players will be able to have those conversations freely mm. and they will be, like, receptive, like, because, as and yeah. I mean, again, I keep bringing it up, but as we're seeing in the media and maybe around New Zealand, like, some of those committee members aren't receptive to those conversations. Yeah. So, again, it's a two-way street and I think everyone at the moment is trying to find that balance that you speak a of. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking, speaking to the women's game, though, and Wellington United and this, yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> showing our bias, but... <laughs> Wellington United, as a club, made a pretty big decision mm. last year. Um, 
to and I, I, I don't want to speak too much to this because I want you to you to mm. speak about it because you were you know on the inside in the management team that you know yeah. decided this this outcome but yeah. you decided to prioritize your women's team and mm. put a lot more energy and focus into the top women's team and the women's teams in general as well because as as we always talk about yeah. if you're prioritizing one group you're prioritizing all like it helps everyone um and yeah unfortunately again we're seeing around New Zealand that a lot of women's teams are kind of speaking up about how they're not being not necessarily prioritized but given kind of the base foundational level of support that they need to succeed and so for Wellington United to take that step even further and again be at the forefront of supporting women's football like it's pretty incredible incredible stuff so yeah, do you want to, one, speak to what I'm actually talking about? Because yeah. I feel like I've said a lot of words but I haven't actually said anything. <laughs> um, and then two, maybe talk about a bit, what was the process of, you know, when what what happened? Yeah, I guess, so it started at the end of 2020, I would say, um, when very successful on both sides with mm. the women and the men. And the men had a playoff to go up to the men's national league, yep. the new ba- like club based national league, which was massive. And um, we have the playoff, we have the home and the way, the way league. And I think they missed out on goal difference. It was a countback, <sighs> and like <sighs> scored in the last 90th minute of the game, <sighs> kind of thing. So it was started off with a bit of a heartbreaking moment, yeah, a bit gutting, um, and a long journey back from Napier. <laughs> But we were really proud of the boys, really yeah. proud. Um, and it was cool to be part of that as mm. well. Uh, and then fast forward to the year after, and I think it was the Y Rapper, maybe with two weeks till the start of the season, uh, withdrew or vacated their spot in the Men's National League. And being the team that missed out on promotion, we were the team that, or the club that was asked, right. do you want this spot? Yep. And so it was sort of... We had, I don't know, a week to decide. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how long we had to decide, but needless to say, it was quite a tight turnaround. Yeah. Um, so we said, well, the, it's because of the team that we're in this position. Um, and so we sort of went to the players and the coach, coaches and said, look, like, if you guys are keen, we'll, we'll back you and we'll support you. Yeah. Um, and they... They said, yeah, we're in, we're in. So, and I think as a club, we were maybe slightly naive about the implications of joining the National League. Right. Uh, in terms of that financial side, mm. uh, for example, just a little thing is <laughs> to give you an idea of, of the regulations, you have to have a qualified physiotherapist, which right. doesn't sound hard. Yeah. And we're like, okay, you know, it, yeah. So, and... But it's unbudgeted, right? It's yeah. unbudgeted things like that. It cost us $500 a week until oh, wow. about halfway through the season because we could not find a physio because they're all they're all taken. Yeah. And often do their Monday to Friday don't want that, yeah. that weekend job. And if they do want the weekend jobs, they're already there. But yeah. that's just an example, yeah. small example. So then it's awkward as well because suddenly you've got a really high-performing women's team Mm. where there is no regulation for a um, physiotherapist and we know as a club, as yeah. a committee, it's costing us $500 a week. We want to give us, or, you know, a game. Yeah. We want to give it to the ladies, but we would be 
like it's ridiculous. We're paying thousand dollars, you know, like yeah. for a two game. So we were between a bit of a rock and a hard place with some of the decisions we had to make. Yeah, and it didn't sit right. It didn't sit right with us. Um, right. So sort of come the end of the season, and bear in mind this is at the end of three years of COVID, right? Mm. So at the end of that, I think our volunteer space was exhausted. Um, mentally, like everything, um, yeah. worried about where we were as a club. Mm. Now we've got so much priority on these really two really well high-performing teams, mm. but we just didn't have – we were like too stretched, yeah. too stretched, too thin. Yeah. Um, and we, weren't, we knew we were in a space where if we continued with both really high-performing teams, mm. it wasn't sustainable. Um, and we were also then – like our time was taken away from our social teams as well, which yeah. are the, you know, the heart of the club as well. Yeah. So we had some difficult decisions to make. At the end of the year, we, we sort of looked at everything where we mm. were and we said, look, the, the ladies are doing phenomenal. Yeah. The men have stayed up on their merit. Yeah. However, um, on the basis of everything we've got, we, yeah, we need to make a decision. Yeah. And we didn't want to do what the other club had done and give the new team just two weeks notice to join that, yeah. um, to join the National League. So we said it needs to be this side of Christmas. Um, yeah, and so unanimously we said we've got, um, we've got that history with the women. We've got a really good thing going. We've got that foundation. Yeah. We didn't have that foundation and we didn't feel like we had that stability on the men's side. Right. And so we're like, yep, yeah, we're going to go all in with the ladies mm. and really sorry. Like... We, when we called the players, that was like one of the hardest things that we ever did. Yeah. Like we were literally crying yeah. like, on that call. It was horrendous. Well, as you say, like a yeah. rock in a hard place. Like no one, it's not something yeah. you would enjoy no. or happily chose to do. No, no. Um, and I guess there was that silver lining of we, we know that there's so many really great men's clubs, men's yep. teams that they could go to. And now we've got quite a few different players that we're, you know, supporting mm. from other clubs. Um, so we're still watching their journeys and still really, you know, we want them to do really well, but yeah, we made that call. Um, yeah. And we, and when you yeah. say you made that call, the, the call was to drop the top men's team in the club down. So it was to withdraw from the men's national league. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which, and you can't self relegate. <laughs> so it's, it's literally, yeah. So we came out of that national league space Yeah. and then our next team becomes that first team. Right. And so yeah. that's kind of where we've ended up. Cool, and then yeah. that women's—I mean, the and the, as the the women's team this year is gunning for that yeah. national league now, place still. And now the role, <laughs> now it's changed. Yeah. yeah, so now now we're gunning for the national league with the ladies. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. to like, I think to clarify and like to highlight for you as well, like mm. it's not like you actively wanted to drop them in. Like no, a, no, no, that was not. not that was no. it was never about that. No. But as you say, the club, and I'm sure so many clubs yeah, can relate was, to this, there yeah. was just not enough money and yeah, not yeah. enough resource and, and volunteer time. Volunteer time, it just, which is, yeah, can just be a fact and, in and of itself. And it's kind of like we viewed it as we kind of got there obviously quicker than we thought we would in terms of getting to the men's national league. Yeah. Um, but it was not sustainable if we were going to continue that. Yeah. So we view this as a bit of a reset. So we very much intend to support the men as far as we can go yeah. in the future, but in a sustainable way. Sustainable yeah. not only on the books, <laughs> but sustainable for our volunteers as well. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I mean, this is a key mm. reason I wanted to get you on the podcast was to talk about this story and that journey mm. of the club because I think it's such an important one to share and it's so important for so many players around New Zealand and volunteers and, you know, champions of the women's game mm. um, who are involved in clubs and maybe trying to fight that good fight. And as, I mean, as every female in a male-dominated sport, whatever, feels yeah. like that good fight can be exhausting and it, you can't sometimes see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so I think to know that there is a club out there that did actively and proactively decide, mm. you know what, we are going to make the decision and support our women is inspiring. And it does, mm. I think, set that standard of, you know what, we actually do deserve this. It's yeah. not a question of if but when. Um, yeah, yeah. And I... And I think I, I sort of go back to those foundations. Like I'm, I'm really fortunate that I'm part of a club where it's not who we value more, you know. We, mm. we see the men's and the women's teams as equals, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, a really, it's a really positive space to be in. Um, well, I mean, it's been amazing to hear about, you know, your time with Wellington United and every, as you say, the jack of all trades and everything you're doing there. But you've got, a, other, as we mentioned at the start, like a, another pretty exciting role happening at the moment. Yeah. So the yep. Women's World Cup Legacy and Inclusion <laughs> Manager, bit of a mouthful, but yes. I think I nailed it. Yes. Um, it. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about, because it's obviously to do with the World Cup, which is, you yep. know, once every four years and it just happens to be in New Zealand this year. Yeah. Stoked. Um, <laughs> so good. So stoked. Um, but yeah, like how, how'd you, how'd you snag this gig? Yeah. Uh, I guess I've, so I've come from police, uh, maybe almost eight years in police. Yeah and got into police because I want to help people and pretty much in the police you can help people but it feels very much like on a one-to-one -one level or yep. you're helping a certain family sometimes you might go into a school so you feel like you've reached a little bit further mm. but generally you're dealing with the same societal issues but with different groups yeah so you feel like you're on a bit of a treadmill um mm. that you aren't really making change yeah and I yeah, so I guess through that, I sort of saw sport, and I'm like, actually, sport is bloody good. It gives you role models. It gives you um, a way to deal with, like, failing. It gives you a way to deal with stress. We know it gives you endorphins. It's good for your mental health. Yeah. It gives you a friend group. Like, it, it's just so good in so many ways, mm. and, and it does really tackle a lot of those societal issues. It also helps people that aren't engaged in school. Yeah. Uh, it gives them a sense of purpose, you know, so they can be a real leader. Like, it, it, sport is massive, yeah. essentially. And so, yeah, so then it sort of started getting me thinking, why aren't I working in sport if I actually want to make a change yeah. to people or with society? And, yeah, so <laughs> that I've been thinking about this for a while and then yeah. This, yeah, this role came up. It's a two-year role. And the police were kind enough to give me a couple years leave from police. And so it kind of has worked out perfect. <laughs> and, yeah, Capital Football said yes. So, or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, again, yeah. don't undersell yourself, mate. You've obviously, you know, you're very passionate about the role and very passionate about the game. And yeah. so, like, you did, yeah, I'd say you definitely earned that one. It just, yeah. didn't just happen. Oh, <laughs> no. Nah. So, yeah, like I want to do 
kind of what we've done at United but on a bigger scale, right? I want to yeah. help clubs because ultimately clubs are their foundation of our sport. Yeah. So if we can, we can grow clubs, we can help equip clubs with everything they need mm. and champion them, mm. um, champion the people within clubs as well, then we can grow the sport. We can get more people in the sport. Yeah. And there's a little saying, a kid in court, in court, <laughs> getting my own saying wrong. It's not my saying. Uh, a kid in sport stays out of court. So Love it's it. quite a big passion of mine. And of course, um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about then, like, what the legacy and inclusion role, like, I guess what it actually is, slash, what you're trying to, as you say, like, you're trying to do what you did at Wellington United, but on a big scale, like, yeah. I guess, how does that actually look over the next, pretty big question, but, how, but like, how does it <laughs> actually look, or what do, you, what do you hope that actually looks like, kind of, over the next couple of years, yes. um, and, like, I guess, what are you, what are you doing at the moment, because we're, what, a couple months away from, I know, I know it's, it's coming up quick, bloody hell. I know. So I want to assure listeners that we are very, very busy behind the scenes. And I've actually got a legacy forum for this reason because I, I want people to know what we are doing uh, tomorrow, but it will have been a couple of days ago yeah, yeah. by the time this comes out, about what we're doing. But essentially, it's my role is making sure that we, the famous word, leverage off the mm. World Cup. And there's going to be all eyes on football, right? Yeah. Uh, New Zealand may not know it yet, but it is going to be huge. Yeah, be I mean, we've brought that up a couple of times yeah. on the pod. Definitely, I don't think New Zealand knows that yet. No, no. <laughs> um, I think there's like 80,000 tickets being sold in America alone. Yeah. And that's just one of the teams coming. And we've got so many games in Wellington. So all eyes are going to be on football. So yeah. we want to make sure we, we capitalise on that. Yeah. Awkwardly, as we know, the World Cup finishes on the 20th of August, and that's about the same time that our season finishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And having been in Clubland for so many years, I know that as volunteers, that is the time where you are needing a break. Yeah. So it's what, what um, programs and what sort of activations, what festivals, what tournaments can we put in place mm. to sort of capture those capture that interest, whether, mm. it's, um, whether it's girls, whether it's youth, whether it's ladies. I was going to say, yeah, you brought up that yeah. really interesting point, like you start the sport at whatever age, and it kind of mm. made me have a sudden thought of, we've on this podcast talked quite a few times about, you know, it's going to inspire all these young girls and mm. these young boys to get into the sport. It's going to inspire a whole lot of moms as yeah. well, or a yeah. whole lot of older women who are like, actually, yeah, absolutely, I'll give that a go. If they can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. So from high-level view, there are a lot of programs coming on board and it's everything from like Kotuitui, which is a football and schools program. There's Fantows, which is a girls um, sort of club-led program. There's Kicking It, which is a youth program. There's, we've got a regional women in leadership program coming up. There's also the new club support sort of framework with Zero and sort of everything in between. So <laughs> covering covering a, all bases. There's a little bit coming yeah. up. But uh, yeah, those are sort of the key ones. Uh, and f- all of them, what I'm stoked about is the Kotuitu Fantails kicking it. Yeah. Is it's going to be done very much in partnership with clubs. So it's not um, cool, there's some funding, federations are going to go deliver it. It's 
ideally, mm. or at least how we're doing it in capital, is we're going to be working with clubs. So that funding will go to clubs to lead it. Yep. Because ultimately, we want those clubs to have those relationships with those schools, those high schools. Yeah. Because that's going to grow the game for them. That's yep. going to grow their club and ultimately grow the game. Yeah. So, yeah, some of those clubs will have existing relationships, but a lot don't. So it's kind of that foot in the door with a really cool pro- um, program. They get equipment on top of it. So it's almost like and, – and they get the manual. They get everything. Yep. It's almost a kind of preset package. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in a real positive way to introduce football to new players to the game. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think a theme throughout this chat has been like, or from what I can gather is like, the growth of the game is going to come from club, at club level. Yeah. Like, it's all well and good, New Zealand football federations, you know, doing what they can and like New Zealand football, is, as, you, as you say, like doing a lot in this space with the World Cup coming up, but... Yeah, I think maybe not as highlighted as much, and it's amazing to hear that like this legacy program is really focusing on that club support, is yeah. that ensuring that our clubs are strong. So, yeah. And I think Nat Broadhead uh, mentioned it on her episode, um, and it's now funny talking to you as the legacy officer. Yeah. <laughs> the big L word that, L word that Nat did, did not like. Yeah. But um, yeah. talking about like how, yeah, it's so important with this influx of players that's yeah. going to come. And, you know, we're, we're, it is a hypothetical, but, like, I feel like we can be pretty certain there will be an influx of players. Because, yeah. um, as you say, they're going to go to the clubs. Like, they're not going to go into the rep teams or, you know, yeah. they're not going into the football fairings. Like, yeah, yeah. it's about yeah. having that local level support to yeah. ensure that influx of players is well-supported and has the resources yeah. to allow them to play this game when the time comes. Yeah. You mentioned that zero program, club support program. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Because I saw that release the other day and I think we've had, I think Bakes talked about or the Fantails program and, you know, that's all like getting people just on the ball playing footy. But that zero club support program is something mm. slightly different. Do you want to talk yeah. a bit about that and how that's, yeah, going to support clubs? Yeah, so it sort of replaces the club quality mark um, that used to be in place and help sort of guide clubs to well this is what good governance looks like this is what good structures look like within your club or processes um but it was a little bit too admin intensive previously Mm, right so they've stripped it all back and they've put it to well what's what's the most important Mm. and so there's so many templates um in place so it might be that a club can tick i don't know eight boxes but maybe they need to work on um lot like the makeup of their of their board. Yeah. What's the representation in that female male split? Yeah. Um what sort of what sort of what's your budgeting look like? What's your business planning? Everything that helps run the club. Yeah. It's looking at those sort of behind the scenes. Does your club have a strategy? What's your club's purpose? Yeah. Those things that you kind of quite often in clubland you're so busy in the weeds that you Need a you need a little breath to sort yeah. of put your head up. So this yeah. will help focus focus clubs on that. Right. Um, I love that yeah. you call it clubland. By the way, oh. <laughs> it's the first time I've heard someone say clubland, but it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm excited because yeah, it's I don't think it should be seen as a well. This is another thing we have to do. It's mm. it's a thing. It's a support program where okay, let's actually see where we sit and let's see where we can improve. Yeah. Um, so that we, yeah, that we can run ourselves, run in a better way. Yeah. Um, 
and also there are sort of tangible benefits um, mm. at the end and I sort of won't go through those but yeah, yeah. no that yeah, that yeah I mean that sounds amazing I think again like probably maybe a more forgotten part of football and the admin yeah. of football is like because obviously it's not quite as like it's not the most the sexiest part of football yeah. like as the actual running of the club and the yeah. admin side of yeah. ensuring that teams can get that out there on a sad day and put their best work in absolutely um absolutely. so yeah it's amazing to see that you know the legacy officers in these programs are looking at the overall like holistic view of footy yeah. and the actual structure of how the how the game is played yeah. um in this legacy legacy inclusion role i guess like stripping back the questions a bit like mm. what do you actually hope the impact of your role and the work you do to be on the game and like a big picture thinking like yeah kind of asking you your hopes and yeah. dreams here but like because it, it's such a I mean it's such a major turning point for the game like yeah. everyone is saying that and it's not just a, such a major turning point for the New Zealand game because obviously of course it is yeah but it's such a turning point for the game as a whole so like yeah what do you I guess what do you hope to see off the back of it in New Zealand? So I guess to answer that question, I need to share a little bit about the Icelandic project. Yeah, It's pretty close to my heart. Um, so I'll explain that and then sort of go into what my sort of hopes and dreams are, <laughs> um, if I can. And yeah, so the Icelandic project is essentially a project started by the Icelandic government and they brought it in when they kind of took stock of where they were at as a country mm. and their youth, um, they were having massive issues with their youth and that were issues like drinking, um, alcohol, well, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drug use, uh, mental health issues like self-harm, mm. suicide, family harm issues. Their kids were committing a lot of crimes and quite serious crimes as well. And so all of these societal issues that their country was facing but really heightened in that youth category. Mm. And they were sort of seeing like that was rising year on year. What are we going to do? So the government said, well, we've been spending money at the sort of bottom of the cliff for a while. We've been treating the symptoms. How can we actually start at the front? Yeah. You know, what can we do um, at the front end? And so they said, right, we're going to um, – they made some decisions and they said we're going to put that money that we're putting at the end plus more, we're going to – put money into sport, we're going to put money into uh, sporting facilities, um, leisure facilities, you know, fields, turfs, mm. pools, you name it. Yeah. They put money in that side and in addition they put money aside for coaches to take teams. And it wasn't necessarily just sports, it was um, activities like scout school guides, yeah. you name it. They wanted kids to be in after-school activities and then they made it compulsory for kids to be in after-school activities right. and in that youth space. So, um, yeah, they did that and they also put in a curfew. Um, not sure exact number, but it might be, say, 10 o'clock. They yeah. said, you know, young young kids, youth, don't need to be out after 10 o'clock. So um, now their kids are at home yeah. or, or, I guess, police and that have um, tools to get them home yeah. since there is a curfew in place. So, anyway, overnight almost, <laughs> all of all of their societal issues that their youth have been facing, their kids have been facing, started improving. So 
um, drug use went down, drinking went down, crime went down, um, mm. their mental health um, improved, suicide went down, self-harm went down, family harm went down, like um, everything improved and it's been year on year on year and year. Wow. And I was just like blown away. Yeah, so, that, that sounds incredible. Yeah, so that's when I sort of, I guess, opened my eyes to the power of sport. Mm. When I read that, I'm like, it's more than just a game, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's massive. And so in terms of my hopes and dreams, yes, uh, I really want to see sport used as the vehicle that it can be used for. And football being one of the most accessible sports of all, mm. let's really embrace it and let's really, like, take it to the next level. Yeah. Because if we can, look at all the societal issues it can help solve. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it like that because, like, quite often on this podcast we've talked about, like, how women's football, I guess, has this clean slate to be whatever it wants. Yeah. But then, as you say, like, taking that to that next level. Yeah. Really, if we have the desire to, and there's people like you in these decision-making positions, like, sport can be whatever we want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, so that oh, that's... I mean, and like hearing those, what what was happening in Iceland, like I'd yeah. say a lot of it reflects in New Zealand now. A hundred percent. You just need to think of, you know, on the news every day, there's um, the crime seems like it's getting worse. There's mm. the ram raids with the kids or the sort of disengagement with schools, the truancy. Yeah. So let's help our youth get back on track mm. because then inevitably they're going to find the right path. So. Yeah. When I guess those programs like Fantails and um, and it's just gone out of my head, but some of the other programs that New Zealand football are implementing. Kotoitui. Kotoitui, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it really does set them up from that foundational level right at a young yeah. age to have accessibility to, I mean, football, but yeah. if there were other programs in other sports as well, like sports in general. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. I mean, we always talk about football as well, like it just can teach you. And yeah, again, we've been sounding biased to Wellington United on podcasts, but I guess we're sounding biased towards football now. But like, yeah. it can teach, especially team sports, I guess, in general, but like it can teach you so many life skills. Like, yeah, um, yeah how to work in a team, how to yeah. um, like manage different relationships in your life, how to turn up on time, how to like, do all those really basic, simple things that can be applied anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. Oh, it's just so exciting to hear you're bringing kind of that lens to the yeah. role. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the big picture. The hopes it, and dreams. Yeah. The hopes, <laughs> the hopes and dreams. So, yeah. yeah. Use sport for what it really can be. And, it, and it's more than a game. It's, it's massive. Yeah. It should be like it always has been intertwined in New Zealand. Mm. Um, but I think it's sort of fallen off the radar in maybe the last 10 or so years and let's bring it back. Yeah. Well, yeah. shit, on that note, <laughs> on that positive note, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. But, yeah, like thank you so much for coming on the podcast and bringing your thoughts and ideas and all that and it's like so exciting to hear what you're doing in this legacy role and I'm just so, so stoked to see what comes out post-World Cup in New Zealand for football but like for sports as well. Um, so yeah, nah, thanks for coming along. No, th thank you so much for having me. It's been <laughs> awesome. And, uh, 
yeah, first podcast for me done. So. Yeah, well, and you nailed it. So, so only only up from here. <laughs> yeah, it can always be a bit weird whacking a microphone on yourself and trying to trying to sound good. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much, and thank you to the listeners for coming along for another episode. Um, and we yeah might be switching it up to. Uh, fortnightly episodes but I'll keep you in the loop on that on social media so yeah thanks for joining and um, we'll see you again for the next episode cheers